Hello, and welcome to Understanding Kindness. I'm Danny, and it's so nice to be speaking to you today. I'll be talking about companion animals. This is an unprecedented moment in Understanding Kindness history. Today, there are no recommendations. I came up with the idea for this episode while taking a walk with George's dog, Ghost. Of course, all the media and books I consume have driven me towards these thought processes, but I can't think of anything specifically that sparked this thinking. So let's just get this ball rolling. Welcome to this episode of Understanding Kindness. Let's begin with a little history on Ghost, or as we like to call her, the Ghostinator, or sometimes Ghosty Ghost, or other times just Ghosty. <laughs> Don't all companion animals have about a hundred different names? So, she's a beautiful white husky with blue eyes. So pretty, but she's definitely got an attitude and, like all animals, a personality. She wants to do what she wants to do when she wants to do it. And hey, who can blame her? I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So, totally understandable. But it can make it difficult to take walks with her sometimes. She also grew up around lots of humans, but not other dogs. So at her age of five years especially, it's been pretty difficult for her to get along with other dogs. She's also a little sweetie who loves scratches, sunbathing, sniffing, getting the zoomies, and peanuts. She has the biggest, cutest smile and hates having her picture taken. She's very independent, but she loves attention. She's a one-of-a-kind, that ghosty ghost. So, the other day I decided to take a walk with her by myself. I hadn't taken her for a walk alone ever, but George and I go multiple times a day together, and I felt confident that I wouldn't have a problem on my own. When George and I take her for walks, we use a harness and a long leash, giving her about 20 feet and space to sniff around and do her thing while on our walks. We walk on the sidewalks and alleys through a typical city neighborhood. There's grass, but also a lot of concrete. Ghost has a knack for finding the smallest patches of grass to poop on. <laughs> we didn't always have this harness, though. After the clasp on our previous one broke, George's brother decided to try a gentle leader type of harness that went around her snout. This definitely kept her from pulling a lot but I could tell it was uncomfortable to her by the way she would rub at her snout afterwards. After a while of using this and her getting used to it, and then just beginning to pull anyway, she got a new harness. I think she likes it much more. Her and I started on this walk, and I would give her lots of slack and stop when she stopped to smell things, or just pee on them. Then we'd keep walking. I had my phone with me, but I wasn't using it or listening to anything on it. I was just there with Ghost, walking and talking with her, hanging out with her, spending time with her because she's a being that I live with and she deserves my attention and love and care. She was there having a great time smelling stuff and marking her territory or whatever. When she would turn and start going one direction, I'd follow her. And for the most part, we stayed on our usual paths. I wasn't thinking about the time at all or how long we were taking. I knew we left the house at, like, 10.30 a.m., but I had no concept of how long we were walking, and I didn't care. 
I was having a great time walking with Ghost and enjoying her company and her goofiness. While walking, I began thinking of myself as working for her. I was here spending this time with her. This is her time to be out of her usual environment, interacting and communicating with other non-human animals. This is her time. I thought of myself as someone who was there to make sure she was safe and everyone around her was safe. As I said before, she isn't always the friendliest with other non-human animals, so I was keeping an eye out to see them before she did and either get her away from that situation or keep her close so no situation would occur while passing by. Let me talk here a bit about how I came to this point of view. As a vegan, I've struggled with the idea of companion animals. I had companion animals in my home growing up and truly loved them with all my heart. No matter whose house they live in, they're all just so cute and adorable. I do not agree with animals being owned, though. However, I understand that our society has created an environment where in order to keep these domesticated animals safe while living in our cities and towns, adopting them, or for some people, buying them, allows them to have food, water, shelter, love, and safety, mostly from mankind. So, I fully support adopting non-human animals into our homes when they're in need of love and support. This needs to be done responsibly, though, and with this being's life and individuality taken into consideration. If you do not feel that you can take on the responsibility of another life, do not adopt a companion animal. This being is here not to bring you joy and or unconditional love. That may happen based on your actions toward this being, but that is not guaranteed because they are not here for you. They are here to be, just as you are. If you are in the position to adopt a non-human animal and bring them into your home, your responsibilities are to love, care for, and support this companion. We are all responsible for the continuation of these systems in the society that does not allow them the ability to care for themselves in nature. We are all responsible in one way or another, so this is the least that we can do for them. Now I want to shift slightly here. It's not really a big shift, in my eyes at least. <laughs> I want to relate this to children. Uh, yeah. Let's try this. Before I begin, though, I'd like to say that I am in no way whatsoever judging anyone by their decision to have children or how they choose to raise their children. I think children are adorable and cute little curious Einsteins. They absorb information from everywhere, at all times. Literally. It's amazing. It's something I wish everyone continued to be and to act on. The children know the way. Truly. I'd also like to say that I went to daycare growing up and had a great experience there. I made some great friends and had a lot of fun. I'm not judging anyone for enrolling their child in childcare or hiring childcare. This is a necessity for some of our lives as they've come to be. We have to work. A lot. And daycare is a great option to help us manage our time and lives with children. As most parents have now realized, Having your children home 24-7 and having to teach them as well, on top of their own lives and careers, is much more challenging than they ever imagined. And I bet it is. It's ridiculous that everyone's so tired that those with children can't even give their kids their full attention and spend quality time with them, enriching their lives. 
Just as our companion animals deserve our attention and love and care, children deserve those things, and some would argue even more, let's give that to them. We need to refocus our priorities. Do we need to have all the coolest, newest, shiniest things? Do your children actually need those things? If the answers to these are no, that allows us to think about how much money we actually need to make. How much of our precious time we need to spend working to make someone else money and only get a fraction of it ourselves. Our children, our companion animals, our friends, our families deserve our full undivided attention when we can give it, and they always deserve more of it. That is something that's free to give, and that lasts way longer than any cool, new, shiny something. If we can reevaluate how much we actually need to be spending, and subsequently how much we actually need to be earning, we begin to remove ourselves from the treadmill that capitalism needs to keep us on to continue functioning. If we become content with the things we already have, and content with spending our time with each other, there's no reason to spend money on more stuff, and there's no reason to spend our time earning more and more money. I have a secret for you. Money doesn't make you happy. Money is what keeps you giving your time to someone else rather than to yourself and to those you care about. Of course, we need money to live, but do we need enough for more than that, really? How do you think people lived before we created things for people to buy to entertain themselves? There's so much to do that is free, and I'd argue most of the time it'll make you feel better, too. Let's make our time our time. Understand what you truly need, what will truly make you happy. Understand how you can really enrich the lives of those around you. Understand your responsibilities as someone who chose to bring other beings into their life. Life is much simpler than we make it to be. It is going to be long, hard work to unlearn the things that have been told to us our entire lives. But it is all worth it for everyone involved. We have so much to give everyone. Just by being our true selves and allowing each other to be their true selves, all while loving and supporting each other. We can and we need to give each other our full attention, understand each other from the other's point of view. We're all connected to and affected by each other. Understand your impact and understand how you can give more by needing less. So that whole story about my walk with Ghosty Ghost led me to discussing children and understanding what they truly need, then to da-da-da-da, capitalism, of course. This one went on a lot of detours, but I ended up in a good spot, so I'm counting it as a success. Now what to name it? <laughs> this episode is probably the best representation of how my brain works, at least that I've been able to articulate thus far. I think I like it. Hopefully I'm able to do this in future episodes. You can listen to more episodes of Understanding Kindness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by visiting feeds.transistor.fm slash understanding hyphen kindness. Transistor is spelled T-R-A-N-S-I-S-T-O-R. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now for some bonus recommendations. Greeting is Capitalistic Conditioning is a video by Ryan Hibbs on YouTube, 
who I heard about from Thought Slime's Eyeball Zone. The video explains how grading and our school system is conditioning for and normalizing of living in a capitalistic society. Really good. Thanks for your rec, Slimo. And one more for you. I've got an episode from the Happiness Lab on Epictetus. Dr. Lori Santos and Bill Irvine discuss Epictetus's philosophy around framing what happens to us and understanding what we can control. Very powerful stuff. Check it out. Since this episode idea wasn't sparked from anything in particular, I don't have any recommendations to reference back to here. This is awkward. Uh, well, how about this? As of the recording of this episode, I'm almost finished with The Sexual Politics of Meat by Carol J. Adams. Broadly, the book, written in 1990, discusses the link between feminism and vegetarianism. Very good so far. I believe I first heard about this book from the one and only Bearded Vegans. If you enjoyed this episode, help support the podcast. All this content is free, and I'd love to make it my job one day. So if you're financially able, join our Patreon or send a one-time or recurring donation through PayPal. You can also share an episode with family or friends and give UK a kind rating and review. Check out understandingkindness.com for all episodes, transcripts, and blog posts. And why not take a listen to my other podcast, Better When Awkward, co-hosted by my childhood best friend, Jasmine. Get in touch with me by emailing understandingkindness at protonmail.com or through social media. You can find all links in the episode notes. For now, be kind, be compassionate, be understanding, and question everything. I'll be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Understanding Kindness.